Hello and welcome back to the Argus podcast. Today we are joined by Olympic archer Bryony Pittman. The Shoran-born athlete competed at the Tokyo Olympic Games last year, all while balancing life as a university student. If you missed our first episode with the star of the Great British Bake Off, Jürgen Krauss, then be sure to take a listen after this. But without further ado, here is the second episode of the Argus podcast with the Olympian Bryony Pittman. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll get on to your time in Tokyo and the British and World Championships and other events sort of later on. But firstly, how's life been since the Olympics? Uh, it's been a little bit weird. I've been uh, focused on finishing my Masters, so my dissertation's due in February. So yeah, we still had a World Champs at the end of September. So I had a break in October after the World Champs. I took about a month where I maybe shot once a week, I had a couple of weeks off the gym. I waited till I wanted to shoot again rather than just thinking, oh my God, I've got to go and train and I've got to be shooting this amount and definitely a break that I needed yeah I think after the Olympics it was kind of like oh well I've, I've done it now but you, you trained for so many years for like a two-week period and then it's just over before you know it. Going back to kind of the very start you were born and raised in Shoreham is that right? Yes so I was, I was born in Brighton uh, I lived there till I was about four and then moved to Shoreham. And what was that like sort of growing up in and around Sussex? Oh, I think it's a great place to grow up. It's so nice because you've got, obviously you've got the, the South Downs if you want countryside. You've got the beach right there as well. What's the archery scene like in Sussex? Sort of how early did you start getting into archery? I was 11 when I started. I uh, started at a club in Worthing and uh, within a couple of months I was shooting at, we had a junior, Sussex junior shoot held at Ditchling Archery Club and that was where I did my first competition and it was just a fun competition. You had people of all ages my little brother actually shot it. He was uh, six or seven, I think, the first time he did it. And so they just made up a round for him because he couldn't hit the normal distances. So they just were like, oh, well, we'll just bring this target closer and, and it's fine. And yeah, so that was kind of my first taste of competition in Sussex. And the goal for me was always to make the British team. But obviously a stepping stone to that was shooting for Sussex. And I remember within two years, I think I made my first Sussex team. It was just such a feeling of pride to to get that phone call to say, oh, would you like to shoot at this inter-county event? Where, uh, whereabouts are you based now? Are you still in Sussex or are you, I mean, I'm guessing you move around a lot for training and competitions and so on. Uh, yeah, I'm still in uh, Shoreham at the moment. I'm, well, I'm renting a place in Lansing, so I'm kind of between there and also my parents in Shoreham. But I've been at uni in Newcastle for the last couple of years. Yeah, since COVID, I moved back home and that's been really nice. We'll get on to kind of your sort of how you balance studying and training and competing later on. But mentioning your parents there, is it right your dad represented Great Britain in archery? Yes. So he he definitely shot for the team for a couple of years, but he was also part of the World Championship winning team in 1998. So yeah, he went to a World Champs, Europeans, <laughs> yeah, World Games. And that's that's kind of my source of inspiration. I'm guessing having a dad who has done what you've done, is there, I'm guessing there's a lot of advice, but also pressure that comes with that. But also, I suppose you get the coaching side of it. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Like people say, oh, like sometimes it must be difficult because because of that kind of parent child relationship. But I've actually found it really beneficial because I find it easier to talk to him. Like if I've got a problem with something that I'm doing, um, I find it easier to say, oh, like this is what I'm struggling with than I would perhaps with one of the national coaches, just because we have that better relationship. Uh, so from a coaching point of view, it's it's really 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 great there are there are obviously times where I'm competing and I think oh I don't want to disappoint him if I don't do very well but equally the fact that he has been there and he understands that pressure 
and even in in 2016 he actually went to the olympics as zimbabwe's olympic coach uh so (laughs) so at least he'd kind of been to that environment as well before me and was able to then say kind of okay this is what what to expect like and he knew that the pressure that was was on that one event and he felt it as a coach so he was able to help me a bit more as an athlete were you able to have a social life as a child in Sussex or was it all sort of hard training and, and everything yeah, it was probably from, yeah, for, from about 11 when I started archery, that became my life. But you, you meet so many people through archery and through any sport, I think, that that kind of becomes your friendship group as well. So I had had a handful of friends that were like good friends growing up through secondary school and stuff. But it's difficult when people don't really understand why you're putting so much effort into this one thing. Where I was missing so much school as well, it was like, oh, you know, you kind of get a bit forgotten about I guess like you just just appear every every other week or something so yeah I didn't really have much of a social life but archery then has become my social life my teammates have become those good friends do you get recognized when you're out and about since since the Olympics or even beforehand uh no not not outside the like archery well there have been a few people on my street that were like oh we saw you on telly and my hairdresser as well was like oh I saw you on the telly <laughs> um but not not really people that wouldn't know archery did you play or do, do you or did you play any other sports I often find that athletes and, and Olympians are quite good all-rounders no I was kind of one of the ones that didn't really do much else I never really enjoyed anything like athletics or things like that I played a little bit of netball when I was younger and I quite enjoyed hockey when we played that at school but it wasn't anything that I ever thought of doing seriously I think archery was just something that that I enjoyed that was what made it easy to put the hard work in whereas other sports I'm kind of like oh whatever so it's harder to then motivate yourself to do that bit extra to actually get good the Tokyo Olympics what was the qualifying like with all the kind of uncertainty and the delays and everything that came with that um, I think the only good thing about it for me was that we found out about two weeks before the first lockdown that uh, we knew who the women's team were. There wasn't going to be a selection shoot. Um, so we kind of went into all of 2020 knowing whatever happens, we are the team. Like We don't have to worry about requalifying our positions next year. Like That's done. So that was kind of a, a good thing, I guess, because it gave us more focus. Whereas the men's team, they still had a selection shoot last end of last year. People, more people got added to that and that actually changed who the team was. So, yeah, it was it was tough, especially when it got postponed the first time, because then as well, you have that thought of I don't I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like I've got nothing to train for at the moment, Like because even OK, it's only been postponed a year, but then it's still like, oh, well, it could get cancelled. Like, they're not going to postpone it another year. It was very stressful. And even when we were out in Tokyo. I tried to avoid the news as much as I could, but you still catch glimpses of things where it's like, oh, somebody says that the Tokyo Olympics could still be cancelled. And it's like, I just got to make it to the first day. <laughs> I know you'd, you'd been to a Youth Olympics previously, but tell me what it was like actually being at and going to an Olympic Games. Oh, totally different. It's <laughs> I think the Youth Olympics was good in the sense that I got that experience going to a multi-sport games. We were living in a village and then the European Games in 2019 built on that experience as well. But there's so much more media interest right from the team announcement through to, well, even, even after the games. It's difficult to to juggle 
all of the attention with all of your training and trying to still perform but thinking okay well you know there are millions of people watching this on tv right now (laughs) it's it's a lot of different pressure that I don't think you can get used to unless you go to an Olympics or unless you're in a sport that gets that kind of attention regularly but archery doesn't you came ninth in your individual event is that right yes that's an amazing achievement for anybody let alone your first olympics how was that thanks um <laughs> unexpected i think uh, i didn't have a good qualifying round i think the pressure just got to me i remember my first arrow on the qualifying round i was just like i've just got to shoot this one arrow and then i can call myself an olympian that's all i've got to do and so i did it and my first arrow was a 10 and it was just like after that i was just so shaky and had so much adrenaline that it was either really good or really not very good um and the end of the qualifying round as well I, I was like okay I've got one one more arrow left gotta make it a good one and I shot another 10 so it was like okay well I started and finished that bit well but yeah I think I qualified like 38th or something so under halfway which gave me a really tough route through the matches my first match was uh, somebody she's certainly been in the top 10 in the world uh, regularly medaled at world cups world champs and I think she had an Olympic medal from Rio as well. So it was like, okay, well, I've kind of set myself up for a, a, t- a tough run here. And I just went out and I thought, you know, that after the team round, I hadn't shot very well. I'd put too much pressure on myself. I was like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to enjoy it. This could be my only match at the Olympic Games. I could have several more, who knows? But I just want to look back on it and go, I gave it my everything and I had fun. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the mindset I went in with. and. Yeah, I enjoyed every arrow I shot in those individual matches. I did like I didn't even realize to be honest that I was about to lose. I think I was 4-0 down in that first match and I just was totally oblivious. It was like, okay, well, I'll just go and shoot and see what happens. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, so to have, have won that first match and then you're straight back into the second match as well. Again, I was against a uh, silver medalist from the London Olympics. Yeah, again it should have been a tough match and I just went in, was quite confident. Then after my first match, really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun out there. Managed to win the second match. And then there was like a three-day gap between uh, that match and the the final individual day. So uh, I did a bit of training in between those in those days. And I think I just didn't quite get into the same mindset then for my final match. Again, it was like, okay, well, by the end of today, I could be an Olympic medalist. And you get all of these thoughts that are quite difficult to control then. Again, I put too much pressure on myself. I did still go out there and I had fun, but I didn't shoot anywhere near the same standard as I had before. So it was kind of a bit bittersweet then finishing that match because it was like, oh, I'm kind of proud of how I've done, but also I could have done better. Well, you st- I mean, you still did incredibly well. As a kind of successful woman in sport and a role model for kind of young archers and sports people, is there anyone that you look up to and how does it feel to be a, a role model for, for other athletes? Yeah, so one of my teammates, Naomi, she has done I think it's five Olympics could be oh. six um but yeah so, so having her along that journey with us obviously incredibly experienced not just in archery but actually having gone to several games uh it was quite nice having her around to say okay well we have all of these questions what do we do about this uh and she could kind of tell us how things worked and what to expect but yeah obviously like the just the success from her for getting to that many 
game. She had a baby in February as well and still competed in Tokyo. So it's just like, that's absolutely incredible. But outside of the UK, there's a German archer, Lisa Unruh, who I've shot with quite a few times. And she's, yeah, absolutely fantastic archer, Olympic medalist from Rio. And she's so willing to help anybody. I think that's really nice to see those top archers sharing their knowledge rather than being a bit like, oh, I don't want to help you because you're competing against me. <laughs> it's kind of weird thinking of myself as a role model. I think I don't, I, I still don't see myself as that because I'm not where I want to be in the sport yet. But we had a combined indoor national champs a couple of weeks ago and some of the juniors there were coming up to me and it was like, oh, we really look up to you. Can we have photos? And it was just, like, I find it hard to believe sometimes that it's like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to have that. And I think the influences that I've had from Naomi and from Lisa as well, I try and, and help those people that are coming up rather than, yeah, thinking, oh, I don't want to share a line with you. Uh, your next Olympics, you'll be one of those people that can potentially help the new people coming through. But with Tokyo, with the COVID aspect, how different was that, do you think, to what other people may have experienced who haven't been to an Olympics where it has been in a kind of lockdown? I'm guessing it was a little bit tough. Yeah, definitely. I think because there were... Well, training was limited anyway, because I don't live at the National Centre in Lillishaw. I was training mostly by myself under the elite sport exemption. So you've kind of, you've got that aspect in training where everything you do is by yourself anyway. I was doing home workouts, which just got so boring. <laughs> and then even in terms of competitions, when we got into this year, we had two World Cups, I think. And that was it internationally before the Olympic Games. And so normally you'd have at least probably three World Cups. You'd have competed all throughout the winter. Yeah, to, to not have that, it kind of, myself and a lot of other people didn't go into the Olympics with the same confidence that you normally did because you haven't had that same time to prepare and to go, okay, this taper works, this taper doesn't, these exercises work for me, these don't. It was, yeah, kind of a bit more of a, yeah, a bit more of a struggle to, to get there. I'm guessing your family weren't allowed to go at all? No, so they, they were planning on going out before COVID, but they said, yeah, no spectators. Even Japanese spectators ended up being banned. So we didn't even know until, pretty much until the first matches started, that our own teammates could watch. So at least we had something. But then you've got all of these massive stands around you and, like, five people <laughs> so I think that kind of made the atmosphere even weirder like if they hadn't had the stands it would have been like oh, okay this is just it's fine but where you had these massive stands that should have fit thousands of people just empty it was yeah a really odd experience in the kind of Olympic village you hear a lot about the tales of the Olympic villages and stuff what what do you do and I suppose when you're walking around do you see other athletes do you sit down and eat near other athletes how does it work yeah so the village itself you have all of the massive accommodation blocks uh, one massive food hall and then normally they have like a little uh, center bit that will have hairdressers nail bars yeah other convenience stores and things like that yeah they, yeah then they have a massive gym they had a, a games room as well there was a lot that we couldn't do in Tokyo just because of COVID so Team GB kind of said avoid going to those places if you can but yeah there's there's just hundreds and hundreds of people out in the in the village streets yeah, loads and loads of athletes. Do you cross paths with any, I mean, I know you are all athletes, but there are, you know, the, the top the top tier world famous athletes. Do you cross paths with everyday kind of? Yeah, well, we saw 
we saw Andy Murray one day in the village um, and because we like you have to wear your kit all of the time so we were walking past him obviously in team GB kit he was coming the other way and you just just out of politeness you just say hello to your teammates even if you don't know who they are so he's walked past and said hi and we've just said hi back and I got about a couple of meters further forwards and I was like wait a minute <laughs> that, that, that was Andy Murray so yeah you do see people like that and even in the dining hall uh the tables are just massive long tables you go around get your food sit down uh so even if you might have gone without your teammates because it's 24 7 and you can just find other people from team gb sit with them chat find out what sports they do and things like that it's yeah it's a really nice place to be able to mix with people and you mentioned training during lockdown but just in terms of sort of general training i'm guessing there's a mixture of gym work actual shooting Firstly, if you could just sort of take me through what your kind of routine is, but also how different that was during lockdown. I'm guessing it's a lot trickier. A general week for me would be I would go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, that would kind of be a mix of upper body, lower body uh, stuff. And then shooting wise, I normally shoot six days a week. We don't do it on time so much. We do it on arrow numbers. So I would shoot at most probably three to four hundred arrows a day. Uh, and yeah, that would be six days a week. And that could take, I could do it at just five meters, which is what I ended up doing a lot of during uh, lockdown because I could just do that in my garage. And that's just partly like a volume thing to get strong, but also it gives you a chance to work on def- uh, different technical aspects depending on uh, yeah what, what you're working on. And it's, it's easier without the pressure of then having that target face and having to aim all of the time. Yeah, that's that's a lot of my training. And then also I do go to the club as well or to the National Training Centre and we'll do a mix of scoring at 70 metres or uh, we'll do match play, team match play, individual match play, all of that. I, yeah, I, I do that less. I probably want to do that more uh, looking forwards. But yeah, that's kind of a rough idea of what we do. And in terms of the diet of a of any athlete, I suppose, but an archery athlete, is there a specific diet? And were you able to kind of indulge after the Olympics or between kind of other competitions at all? It's definitely not as restrictive as other sports because obviously we're not trying to make a weight category or you don't have to be in like perfect athletic shape. But obviously you still want to have like a healthy balance. You want to avoid binging where you can. And especially during competition, we've always been told to avoid uh, things that are like really high in sugar um, just because you don't want random spikes in in energy. You don't want to get any shakes from having too much sugar and things like that. But there's yeah, there's nothing really specific, just being mindful about what you are actually eating. I think during the Olympics, it was they, they have so much food option from like every continent in the dining hall that you can eat well but I do remember that they had they had pizza like breakfast lunch and dinner every day there was pizza and I remember when I lost my last match we'd gone back and I'd had lunch and it was just like all of the carbs from it was like fried chicken pizza pasta chips everything it was yeah <laughs> talk to me about the other championships you've competed in recently and how, how they've been for you we obviously we've not done much this year we did um yeah the two world cups at the start of the year they were quite rocky I think just the fact that I hadn't done any competitions for so long I yeah got to the first world cup handled the qualifying quite well and actually my match scores were a lot better than they had been in previous years so it was kind of nice to go okay well even after lockdown I'm still improving but I really struggled with the nerves and the adrenaline and come the last set of one of my matches I was just shaking and I barely aimed at the target and it was just quite unpleasant 
So at least that kind of gave me a, a platform to build on for the rest of the year. And I, I feel like I've gone from strength to strength individually this year. Yes, yeah, so obviously I did quite well at the Olympics. And then we had the World Champs at the end of September. And I finished ninth there as well, which is my best position at a senior World Champs. But again, I, I felt like I was shooting really well and uh, the, the weather conditions were horrific, but I managed to, to, yeah, to enjoy it and be confident. And I, yeah, I got the results that I wanted and I was so close to making the final eight as well. So it's been a massive confidence boost. But yeah, even we did uh, the European field championships. That was in September as well. And that was kind of my, my main focus after the Olympics as well, just because field archery is something that I really enjoy doing. And so when we finished the Olympics and it was a bit like, oh, well, I don't really want to train at the moment. Was that, that was kind of my motivation. And I shot really well there. We, it was a World Games qualifier for next year's World Games. And we got all of the spots available as a team. They'd also just introduced the mixed team event to the field championships as well. And uh, me and my teammate, Connor Hall, became the first ever European field mixed team champions. So it, like that in itself was yeah, a really incredible end to the season. It's it's been a good year and I've I've gone from from strength to strength and it's given me a lot of motivation for for next year. Looking ahead, I know there's going to be a lot of different championships and and, and competitions between now and Paris 2024, but have you started to set any goals or aims for yourself or as a, as a team for Team GB for that for that Olympics? There are goals, UK sports set, national governing bodies, goals for most, uh, like medal goals for most years based on the major championships that's going on that year. I probably should know those, but I don't. <laughs> on a personal level, I think we've got a uh, European championships next year. I'd love to medal at that individually. Obviously the World Games as well. I'd love to medal at that. And ideally my plan is to get my individual ranking into the top 10. We've got quite a few new people coming onto the team as well. So having a, a stronger pool to choose a team from, I think will really benefit us as as a group as well. And we can push each other more to actually be better. So I think going into 2023, then when we've got to qualify for Paris, I think we should have quite a good chance at getting those places at the world champs again there's a lot to look forward to and I think there's a lot of potential for me as an individual but also as a team assuming it's back to normality whatever that may mean at the time are you looking forward to a different type of olympic experience yeah absolutely I think it's it's almost good in a way that that I did my first olympics in covid because it took away some of those other distractions and pressures whereas I can go into paris knowing a bit more what to expect with that, how I'm going to feel, but also I can I can plan it a bit better to let myself enjoy those other things that are going on around the Olympics whilst making sure that I perform well, rather than kind of going into my first games and being like, oh my God, there's so much. I just want to do everything. <laughs> and archery kind of falls to the bottom of the pile. Completely off topic. Am I right in thinking you've got an arrow tattoo? Yes, I do. I'm guessing that is linked with the archery, but I was wondering whether you have the Olympic rings as the kind of traditional thing that us non-Olympians always see, or whether, whether if you don't, whether you would get them. Yes, I I have been talking to a couple of tattoo places just about whether they can do them or when they can do them. So I have a plan to get them done on my wrist because then when I'm shooting, I can it will be like on this side of my wrist, and as I start shooting, I can see them. So it's kind of like a reminder of oh, I like I actually achieved one of my dreams and it'll be a bit of a motivation boost for the next one, I think. Absolutely. And in the kind of, in those rare opportunities, you do get a bit of downtime. What do you like to do? 
mostly just like I'll chill out at home, spend time with my family. Uh, we do live right next to the beach, so we'll take our dogs down the beach or uh, go for a walk on the downs, something like that. But yeah, just kind of getting outside and chilling out rather than getting too wrapped up in my head thinking oh I've got to do all of this training from next week and I'd just like to enjoy myself and get outside the reason I mentioned downtime is because you're doing a master's degree is that right at the moment yeah yeah that can't that can't be easy alongside everything (laughs) else how do you kind of balance all of that great difficulty (laughs) I think it's the fact that the Olympics was postponed uh was a blessing in some ways so I had my undergraduate dissertation uh due in just before the when the Olympics was meant to be in 2020 so that postponement gave me a chance to just focus on that for a few weeks and make sure I got that done as well as possible. Then, uh, yeah, I started my master's in September at Brunel University and they've just been so helpful from the start that even though there were kind of real pinch points, so January when I had a load of stuff due in and we had a lot of training going on and then again in April when the season was kind of starting and I had to be training at the centre a lot more with the team, but I had a load of of things due in as well it was yeah it it was really tough at times and it took a lot of time management and there really wasn't any downtime uh within that like I just couldn't afford to to stop and luckily uh, my dissertation it was meant to be due in September and my tutor just got in touch with me uh before that the tutors had even been uh announced who was going to get who and he just emailed and said look I think it's a good idea if you get a long extension on this so yeah hence why I've got it due in February now so it kind of gave me the whole summer to just focus on the Olympics whilst I was there and enjoy the experience rather than getting back to the the village and thinking oh my god I've got to do all of this work before tomorrow and took away that that extra stress but obviously now it's it's back on the the uni work and it's a difficult mindset for me to get used to because I've been I've spent so long being in this mindset of I've got to do all of this training all of the time so now knowing that I've not really got any big competitions coming up and that I want to have a bit bit more time to myself it's still hard when I'm sitting there trying to do my uni work thinking oh I've still got to shoot today and I've still got to go to the gym and it's like no it's okay (laughs) you don't have to do all of this at the moment just like calm down do your work chill out later (laughs) Now, for the final part of each episode, we're going to be asking guests their favourite things, places, shops, etc. in Sussex, trying to learn a bit, bit more about them in a bit that we're calling Five of the Best. And the first question is, if you were going for a coffee and a cake with a friend from out of town, where would you take them in Sussex? Probably to Arundel, I think. It's just, there are so many like nice little small cafes there and it's just such a, a beautiful place as well. Like you've got all of the uh you've got like the nature walks you've got the castle yeah I think it's just a a lovely small town you do seem to be a fan of getting outdoors as well it seems (laughs) (laughs) in your opinion what's the best shop in Sussex I don't I don't know the answer to this because I I don't do much shopping (laughs) (laughs) well I mean for the people listening I don't know whether you do buy your own clothes but you are wearing team GB stuff which I imagine you wear fairly often yeah most of the time (laughs) yeah I think if I had to pick like somewhere to shop rather than a specific shop and probably say the lanes in Brighton just because you kind of you never really know what you're going to find there are so many like weird and wonderful places in the lanes so yeah and in those very rare opportunities where you do get some downtime whether it be for a concert comedy or theatre have you got a favourite venue around see I don't do much of that either (laughs) but having said that I did go to a pantomime at uh, the Rope Tackle Centre in Shoreham the other night and that was really really good so 
I would definitely recommend that. The penultimate question is more up your street, I think. If you're looking to escape the city and get outside, is there a favourite outdoors place that you like to go and visit? Yeah, so for me, that would probably be uh, Shoreham Beach or, or going up the Downs, either in North Lansing, it's really nice up there, or Devil's Dyke. And, and then lastly, whether it be for a drink or a sit-down meal, is there kind of a pub or a restaurant or, or a bar or anything that is especially good? Yeah, so there's one called the Old Old Tollgate. I can't remember where it is, but it's absolutely lovely. Pretty good food. And then just very lastly, Brian, looking ahead, what's next for you? What can people expect from you in, in 2022 and beyond? Uh, so, yeah, we've got a couple of World Cups, European Champs, World Games, World Uni Games and World Field Championships. So it's <laughs> assuming everything goes ahead. It's quite a packed year. I'd love to come away with some individual medals, get my world ranking up hopefully to the top 10. I think I'm 36th or something at the minute. Yeah, I'd love to to get some team medals from those as well and, and really see the team develop as a whole. And it'll be great to, to push each other and go into 2023 and start qualifying for the Olympics in a really confident position. Fantastic. Well, that's all we've got time for. But thank you so much for, for your time and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's that. Be sure to keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be released next Saturday. But until then, if you know somebody from Sussex who you think has an interesting story to tell, let us know. You can tweet us your guest suggestions at Brighton Argus on Twitter, or directly to me at Chris underscore Fuller 11, and use the hashtag The Argus Podcast. And be sure to keep up to date with all the latest news from around Sussex on our website, theargus.co.uk. Until next time.